Blog Talk Radio. I hate this music. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's uh, cough, That's crystal ball exit music. So good afternoon, twenty twenty one, which is like twenty twenty, where everything is kind of broken and doesn't really work right, and including our our podcast uh, software today. Robin uh, Schooling and Michael Vanderboard here. We're going to talk to our guests in just a second. But Robin, wh- what hasn't worked for you today? Anything so far? Um. I've been like sort of semi sick the last couple of days. I always feel like I'm getting the Rona, but I don't think it's the Rona. So I've I've just been out of sorts. So what really didn't work for me today has been sort of getting my ass in gear because I just I didn't set an alarm. I just slept and I slept like probably a total of about eleven hours overnight. I didn't get up till nine o'clock and it was wonderful, but it put me behind. Every, yeah. Anything I wanted to do. So I'm all yeah. out of sorts. I'm glued to my TV watching the happenings on the Capitol. And uh, I'm just, I, I've just been out of it kind of all week. Yeah. I, so. I, I kind of hear, hear you. Like yesterday, I did a show with somebody and I opened the show and said, hey, it's Wednesday. No, it's Tuesday. And you know, just, <laughs> every day is is the same, it seems like, in weekends and all that kind of stuff. But, and we could talk about that uh, forever on every show for the rest of the year, probably. Um, yep. But, but we, have a, we have a special guest, a longtime personal friend and friend of the show for both of us. Jay Coons is our guest. Jay, welcome Woo-hoo. back to Drive Through after quite a lengthy time of not being a guest. How are you doing in 2021? Well, thank you both. It's great to be back. And uh, yeah, it's been way too long since I've been on and I'm appreciative of the opportunity to be back. I kind of feel like the who when they went on their farewell tour in 1982 <laughs> and yet they're still touring. So I'm back, right? I had a hiatus, but I'm back. So it's, it's all good. Yeah. 2021 is starting, uh, in odd ways relative to the political scene, but um, uh, personally and professionally, it's, it's starting off really well. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for the coming year. Awesome. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners that may not know you by name, uh, why don't you tell us uh, what kind of work you do and wh- where that's at this year? Sure. Happy to. So long time HR practitioner, 20 uh, year hospital guy, um, most of that time in a VP job. And then uh, half a dozen years ago, I switched to consulting and led the healthcare practice for a recruitment company, Kinetics. And about a year ago, joined IRI consultants uh, leading their business development efforts. I am, was a two-time client of IRI, as a number of our consultants are. Uh, they work with the firm and then come on board. And uh, we had a great year in 2020. And we're excited about what's ahead in 21. We we have three kind of focus areas. One is labor relations. One is employee communications of all types. And a third is around organizational development and leadership development. So, um, yeah, busy times for us. And uh, I'm sure we'll touch on this, but uh, much busier times ahead with uh, the political winds blowing in a new direction in 2021. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do think we will, we will come, you know, I think we'll, I think we'll start out with some lighter, lighter fare to begin with. Um, <laughs> Cause the, and, and I don't know, we're not, we're not really going to talk politics, but there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in the political arena and we could do a show a, a minute. It's sure. every minute of the day and not talk. That's what the, that's why we have the press. Right. Anyway, so right. Jay, for you and I, anyway, this is an exciting time of, of year in that we're getting our yes. NHL hockey back. Um, and <laughs> yeah. proud, proud as, as I'm sure, well, as I know you are, that we'll be able to cheer on our Stanley Cup winning Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh, yes. Go Lightning, absolutely. Last year, and he was gloating with the with the Blues. So I want to I shout out to Dwayne and gloat back. So anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So hockey is uh, is something that everybody follows, but it's it's such a cool sport, right, Ken? It's a it's a wonderful sport, and winning the cup last year was um, a wonderful and nerve wracking ride. I, I I'm a big daily uh, steps fitness guy, and I realized when I was tracking my steps that during the playoff games, I averaged like 10,000 steps per game. I couldn't sit <laughs> still. So I literally got all my steps in in like two and a half hours, all stressed, just doing laps around my condo, staring at my TV. So it's pretty sad, but exciting when you win. So yep. yeah, puck drop tonight. So it'll be fun to get it rolling again. One of, one of the really cool traditions of winning the Stanley Cup, kind of an, a, a an engagement perspective, which would be not only the team, but also the fans is the stand every, everybody affiliated with the team. I'm not like the, not the guy who sweeps the arena or whatever, but the team members, the coaches, that kind of staff, they all get a day with the pup. And I just, I, I, unfortunately, I was in, uh, I was up, I was up North somewhere and missed the celebration, but I think you went to the uh, sort of the ticker tape parade and stuff that it was. Uh, how, how did that feel? And just kind of compare that from a from a, a, a company engagement perspective. I, if you could bottle that energy, you'd be a billionaire, right? Oh yeah, it was it was absolutely fabulous. And in true Tampa style, the um, parade with the cup and the team and all the various dignitaries was a boat parade because everything is water, water, water here. And so thousands of fans lined up uh, along the bay tampa bay and the main river that comes off the bay through downtown and uh the team they were all on boats and the cup and partying and chaos and we didn't burn the city down we don't do that sort of stuff in tampa but other cities have but yeah it was really really great tons of energy one whole focused group of people and yeah it'd be great to bottle that that's one of the things i love about sports you can be at a game you don't know anybody at all your team scores a goal or a touchdown or whatever it might be, and everyone's happy and you're high fiving strangers and it's like mm-hmm. if a if a team can bring you together like this, how do we turn that into you know work is different than obviously cheering for a sports team, but you know as as we say to clients all the time, culture isn't a priority until your culture is horrible, then it's the only priority right? mm-hmm. so um, yeah, it'd be nice to bottle that for sure, Mike. Anyway, so Robin, we that's our that's our obligatory nod to Tampa Bay and hockey. So why don't you take us down some different paths? <laughs> well, you know, and it's it's quite all right because for whatever reason, um, 
for so many years, hockey has sort of been the unofficial uh, sport of not just drive through HR, but kind of this little subset of the HR community. So, yep, you know, I think right. of, uh, you know, there, there, we've got so many hockey, hockey fans, Dwayne and oh, Josh Rock, Josh and, you know, and yeah, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I, I, I think of, uh, fondly, um, you know, and I don't think of things too fondly anymore in regards to Sherm, but I do have some good memories. Right. And I think of the, uh, you know, the Sherm Atlanta when we had the uh, the hockey, the hockey game mm-hmm. out in, out in the yeah. uh, Olympic Park there. Yeah, it was 100 yeah. degrees and everybody was melting. <laughs> we we yep. had HR people, but it was for a good cause. So, yep. so that, was, that was good. That was good. Good stuff. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, you know, it's uh it's it's kind of funny to think about that. Um and, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it to uh I'm gonna take our lesson from that really. Because I kinda of pick it up on, on what Jay said about, you know, that that feeling of camaraderie that you get when you're when you're with a group of like minded people, um at um you know, but everybody sitting next to me in a Saints game is my best friend for, you know, mm-hmm. three and a half hours. Um <clears throat> And 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 the positive energy that can come out of that, and the good and the loveliness. But I think we see what we're living through right now is we've seen when that sense of togetherness can take a dark turn. Because yeah. we're in a dark turn now of people feeling the need to affiliate with one ideology or another, and we're seeing we're seeing that tribalism, if you will, kind of come out. In, in not a positive way, but kind of in a in a dark way. So, you know, it kind of gets us to, I guess, the uh, an HR topic of the week, um, which is what what have you guys seen or found, um, either of you, um, in terms of uh, you know all of these folks that have thus far been identified and more people being identified as having been part of the storming of the Capitol um, and losing their jobs and and losing their livelihoods and, yeah. and companies yeah, it's, needing it's a, to come out and say, here we, here we go, you're affiliated with this group or this moment or this crime, um, and, and we have to take action. What, what hmm. are some thoughts on that? You know, I, I think that part of the challenge here is that we're caught up in the emotion around what they've done, but employers having to deal with employees who've broken the law and are being held accountable is not a new thing, right? right. The three of us have all had to deal with it for years, and I think the more savvy and the more astute employer is going to simply be consistent with their approach and be calm. There are enough raving lunatics on the various news networks. There's raving lunatics on each side um, on every topic anymore. And so I think the ones, the organizations that will look the most professional are the ones who are just going to, well, this person's broken the law. Here's what's happened. We're following the process that we follow if someone does that. Yeah. And I, 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 why, why feed into the hysteria, right? There's so much negative energy from every direction. Uh, I just don't see the value in lowering the, the employer brand of a firm 
large or small, to the level of the discourse that's going on right now. Because it's really not yeah. it's not really productive. Nobody's changing anybody's mind by shouting louder at a rally. Uh, it's really kind of a waste of time at this point. Well, and one one that was interesting yesterday because I am glued I am glued to you know all these every freaking you know news source and and reputable news sources and whatnot, but um, you know as things come out of you know this person that person here's this person now identified via camera whatever, and uh, you know so last night they identified uh, a former gold medal Olympian. Um, I don't know if you all saw that, um, who, was, who was there in his Olympic jacket, for heaven's sakes. Um, and so, of course, once he was identified, people are, you know, latching onto it, and, and here he is, here he is. And they started tweeting at his employer, uh, which was a I, – I, I don't even know what kind of business his employer was in, but um, I, I – I was assuming that the company, you know, on Twitter, you know, they were after this, you know, hey, is he still working yeah. for you? Hey, 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 hey. And the company may very well have put out a statement. I did not see it. But the company ended up just deactivating their own Twitter account because they were probably being yeah. inundated with with so much. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know why you take the bait and do that. Put out a statement. Yeah. And then just let the, the news cycle in this country burn so rapidly that yeah. we won't even be talking about that Olympian in two days. Exactly. So I, I, it, I feel bad for organizations that feel like they need to react in the moment. Be calm. <laughs> be calm, everybody. Yeah. Be calm. Nobody's calm anymore. And uh, those employers that take a breath and relax, you know, I, I mentioned it. The top, I've worked in hospitals a long time. Well, hospitals get criticized. Anything happens, you're going to sue a hospital. Right. Right. And you're going to say, this was horrible, this was terrible, because everybody thinks hospitals just have piles of cash laying around waiting to be handed <laughs> out. And uh, we, we had a very intentional strategy at the last hospital I worked at, where when we were attacked, particularly on social channels, to never take the bait. I mean, if it's, you know, F-bombs or something, well, we're going to take that down. But yeah. if it's just, I'll say, normal criticism or a normal attack, we yeah. would wait. And oftentimes, patients and friends of the organization would do the fighting for us on our mm-hmm. Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And so why react? If you've worked hard to build a brand, which is a whole other conversation, but if you've done the work to build a brand as an employer – you're active in your community, your leadership's active in the community, your people are active in the community, you're in a good position. If you're on the back foot, well, then you've kind of set yourself up for your own failure and demise. But there's so many ways to get out ahead of these things before they would ever happen, and certainly not nearly as dramatic as this instance. You know, it, that, that's taking leadership to a new level. Managing is just kind of going through the day-to-day. Leading is being more proactive anticipating, investing a little bit when maybe you don't think you need to invest, but boy, does it come back tenfold when a crisis hits. So that's kind of my take on that stuff. I think the overreactions are just, just making it worse. Uh, There's kind of a big gray line too for, for employers and the people who were at that rally 
because it's really easy to take the, I, I don't know, I'm guessing thousands of people. I didn't see a number, but it was a big crowd um, for once. They actually kind of had the, a big crowds that they claim to have. Um, and it was a subset of that crowd that did that rioted or invaded the Capitol and engaged in some really heinous activities. Uh, but people in the beginning, people were kind of like sharing selfies and whatnot. Hey, I'm here, you know, with, with one of them, Robin was from a business in your area. I shared with you. I won't yes, it. indeed. To it, but it was, uh, I don't know if it was the CEO, but it was a co-owner and either. Yeah. The co- uh, it was a family owned business. So it was one of the family. I don't think he has an active role in the management yeah, of the company and, anymore, and then, but he's on the, yeah, it's his name, board or something right. like that. Yeah, and and then they're either their current or former HR manager, and they're taking selfies of yeah, themselves, yep. which is weird, you know. And and that has, you know, and that that's one example where it has potential brand issues. You know, if you, I mean, it's one thing sure to thing. Support, yeah. it's one thing to support a political ideology or a political candidate because everybody has that right. And it, but it's sort of another when you're in the, a leadership position to kind of. You know, I'm not saying they did anything wrong really at the at the event because they have no idea if they did or didn't, but it, it it's a risky kind of move, you know, and it sets you up for exactly what you were kind of talking about, they just general stuff. And then if something really goes bad, then you're you know the, the, it's it's gonna it's gonna go sideways. But there were a number of other uh, individuals who didn't who did enter the Capitol, uh, and you know some maybe just stood around or chanted or whatever, but others engaged in vandalism and, you know, a, a number of more, more, really more seriously egregious activities. And of course they're getting, they're getting identified and, you know, in charge, but it's like, it was surprising to me to see some of the people that have been identified that were in the building, ex-military, you know, CEOs, you know, people who have a lot, a lot at stake and also have a, you know, fiduciary responsibility of their companies. And, you know, and they're, they're there engaging in this, this, you know, amazing kind of, it's not amazing in a good way, but this unprecedented attack on our own country. Um, and I don't know how, I don't know how, I mean, I don't know if that's just like they get caught up in the moment or that's just, you can't fix stupid or whatever, but it's, it, 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 it just kind of boggles my mind. Well, it, it is mind boggling and, and none of that was spur of the moment, which we're all aware of up and down the spectrum of perspectives. And I think what it ultimately comes back to, if we, if we think about it from providing good HR consultation to our organizations is that there's a, a question about judgment here that ultimately mm-hmm. comes into play, regardless of your political leanings, whether they're extreme or middle of the road or far left or whatever, but the judgment that would indicate that that makes sense for an organization's senior visible leadership to be part of that event, that that's um, that's peculiar to me. That, mm-hmm. that the decision would be that this this is a good decision, and um, I'm somehow going to be able to do it anonymously. That's just bizarre. Nothing is anonymous, right? And so, and then you know when you're a, a client or a customer or a B2B partner with those organizations and you start to have questions around judgment, well, you're looking for a new dance partner pretty quickly. So I think mm-hmm. the fallout for some of those firms could be quite dramatic, um, mm-hmm. even if they wrap themselves in some sort of cause. <laughs> I, I won't speculate on that, but judgment to me is a biggie. 
So I think that's a, a bit of a fail there. Yeah, and then President Trump is losing, I mean, whether he, and he, he did not accept responsibility from what I understand. He's losing millions. That's correct. I mean, and, and you know, and now the, the countdown in the Senate or the, the debate in the Senate, rather, that Robin's watching. I mean, just the stuff that you can never overcome. Anyway, that's probably enough about that because we could go on <laughs> hours. But um, so there is a, there hopefully a more, uh, you know, at least a transition in power, which it, it'll it'll still be ugly, but at least there will be uh, some new faces and names. So we have a new president coming in a week from today, I think. Uh, and in Joe Biden, uh, it, it will it's pretty much uh, by this time the ceremony will be over a week from today. Correct. Right, yeah, right. They're, they'll be they'll be taking their virtual walk to the White House. Um, yep. So yeah, we, so we have a week left of, of this nonsense, and then we'll see what happens after that. But um, the change in administrations are going to change some HR stuff, Jay, um, a, a lot actually. And I quite did a dramatic, show last yeah, week. Quite dramatic. Yeah, I did a yeah. show last week talking about some of that. But like from your perspective and with the clients that you work with right now, what are you guys? Uh, what are you guys telling, talking to them about? Obviously, you know, in general, what are you kind of talking to them about change administration and HR planning that kind of stuff? Yeah, so number one thing, absolute top of the list, is they have to educate themselves. This isn't just a transition. This isn't a normal transition, Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, separate from the behavior. I mean, just philosophically, um, President-elect Biden has made it abundantly clear multiple times that he will be the most pro-labor president in U.S. history. He has said it over and over and over again. Um, and so that those words mean something to those of us in the business world and those of us that have employees and are trying to run our and grow our companies. And so education and awareness for particularly the senior leadership teams of the, the clients we work with is our number one priority because if they don't know what's coming, they can't make thoughtful decisions about how to prepare because obviously the next step is, well, then how do you prepare? How do you educate your management team? What mechanisms can you put in place to be very, very pro-employee and avoid any sort of third-party interference when you have a president who's proclaiming to be, you know, the, the wants to be the greatest pro-labor president ever. So um, that that's really, really important. And, you know, there's some high-profile legislation that's floated around. I'm sure you've talked about PROACT on here before. Mm-hmm. And even if all of the PROACT doesn't come through, elements of the PROACT will, whether it's legislatively or from a regulatory perspective, uh, the NLRB majority is not going to change in the short term, even though the president is going to change. So there, there's, there's going to be significant things that impact employers that we may feel are outrageous regardless of party affiliation, by the way, some things are just outrageous. Um, And if you don't prepare for that, you run the risk of putting yourself in a situation where it's too late. And that's, that's really a tough place to be where there's no, where there's no option. So there's still time now uh, to, to educate and prepare. Uh, But we all know the first hundred days of any new, President is a hot hundred days, right? Executive orders, yeah. legislation, etc. And with Georgia flipping, 
um, even if it comes down to the tiebreakers being appointments only, well, that's that's a big deal. We saw what McConnell was able to do over the last, you know, four or five years, either slowing down appointments or accelerating appointments. Well, that goes away now. It goes to the other side uh, relative to the Republican Party. So these things matter. Right now is a critical time to prepare because if some of these elements of legislation, a la card check, gets through, well, that's game over for a lot of companies. Because if they haven't done any work on their brand and if they have any work to educate their managers and they don't have core philosophies around this stuff, they're dead. Yeah. They're absolutely dead. So that's that's what we really we're, – we're really imploring our clients to educate themselves. Obviously, we'll help educate them, but educate themselves first and foremost so that they can understand what do they need to do next relative to the systems and processes that they already have in place. It's just so important right now. Yeah, and I would think, I, I, I would think, and it's been, gosh, let me think, 10 years since I, 10 years-ish since I, uh, I've had I've had two companies where I had uh, CBAs, so it's been at least 10 years since I was in the last one. Um, but I would think that with the change of administration, um, with kind of the heightened, organizing activity that was happening uh pre-pandemic right but now you have people you have employees coming out especially think of like seiu right you've got folks coming out uh that are in these types of organizations that feel they uh, you know that kind of held propped propped us up as a as a country by continuing to work and they and if they're going to be targeted for organizing, and they're probably going to be even more amenable to conversations about that. Um, and and then the the organizers of the world think, hey, we've got a new administration coming in. This is our time. This is our moment. Let's. There's no doubt about know, that, Robin. And that the data would suggest that pro-union sentiment in the U.S. hasn't been this high since the late '40s. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's it. a unique opportunity to take advantage of. And uh, and the organizing tactics are really extensive. And I mean, we all know corporate America is always woefully behind on embracing social media technologies, whereas unions aren't. I was on Clubhouse this morning just to give you a quick mm-hmm. example, brand new burning hot platform. And I did a search for unions and there's people talking about here's a meeting on Hmm. advice on how to organize online and how to organize hmm. this and how to help organize. Well, how many of our partner friends are on Clubhouse checking that out, right? Like they're yep. already yep. there. Yep. So it's like I know we one. have to be ever vigilant and we have to be contemporary, right? Because we're going we're gonna to miss. We're going to miss what's happening. And just because we may not be comfortable with some of the digital technologies doesn't mean they're not important. And so... It's just awareness, 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 and then you can build your action plan based mm-hmm. on what you need to do. The the other the other thing the sort of some of the I mean COVID has had a, an impact on organizing and a number of other things. So twenty twenty in terms of the the total number of uh, organizing campaign petitions that were filed is down, but I and and the union union density rate how many people belong to a union in the workplace has been decreasing or, or laying flat for several years but there are, i think yep. there are some i think there are some um, unique considerations covid 
made it really difficult to have meetings or to get together with people in the workplace and talk to them in, in the ways that yeah. organizers used to. So that, that, that pushed, that made it more difficult and probably is part of the cause of why the, num- the overall number dropped. And then the second thing is um, the fact that um, it was an election year. And so when, where they were right. organized, it was to turn out the vote or support local or state or federal candidates to try to accomplish what you mentioned, Jay, that it wasn't a blue wave, but to flip the, the federal government and to elect uh, elect people in the, at the local level that are supportive of labor unions issues. So they, were di- they weren't distracted, but they were expending their energy and their efforts and their resources elsewhere during the election mm-hmm. year. And, and and the danger of that, I don't, it's, not, it's not really a danger, but the, the likely outcome of that is that there's probably a pent-up demand. You know, you'll probably see organizing petitions go up more rapidly this year than what we used to do, is my guess, based on those two things. Yeah. Yeah, there's some hidden hidden pearls in there, too, because a lot of money that, as you said, with the election – just the election itself isn't the distraction. It's the money and organizing effort that was reallocated to the election versus campaigns, which is a big deal. And if you're victorious, as Richard Trump has said, you know, they put Biden over the top. He's very clear about that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they are biding their time to have the support they need. Why fight to the death in the fall of 2020 when you can cruise to victory in the spring of 21? Yeah. Right. And so there is that. The other kind of hidden statistic in there is that for your hospital and healthcare related listeners, 88% of the petitions that went to an election, the union won in those settings. 88%. Wow. That's a big, big number. And we know that healthcare has been one of the hottest growth sectors for organized labor for some time now. And now you have every town in America has we salute our healthcare hero signs in the front yard. We mm-hmm. have a pro-union sentiment in the nation, and they're winning 88% of the elections in 2020. So um, that that's a pretty interesting set of dynamics there that folks need to pay attention to. Yeah, and there's also. Um there's also some development in that not there's a tremendous amount of organizing and th- that means there's a tremendous amount of people that have skills and abilities that can be taken from a presidential election and spin back into the workplace right and that can be positive or negative sure. probably better leaders but if, if they're if they have reasons to be dissatisfied then they become informal leaders who know how to who know how to organize uh people in that setting as well as in the, the, the external community you, to, to go back to your point, Dave, there's a whole lot of reasons why HR professionals right now need to get their antenna up and pay attention to the political and the, uh, I, I would say, societal energies and movements that, you know, we kind of take for granted in cases because it, it may come back into your workplace through the form of, of, of an, or, an organizing campaign, not necessarily a union election. There are all kinds of different right. campaigns that are not yeah. related to unions at all, right? There are other, you know, but that, there's a lot of that going on as well. So it's a big, it's a big risk. And if you're not prepared with a plan, you're going to be far worse off than you will if you spend the money to prepare and never have to use it. 
Yeah, I totally agree, Mike, because there are layers and there are some, some intersecting forces here. There's the whole newer concept of, I'll say in air quotes, newer concept of employee activism. Mm-hmm. So they're just trying to help themselves, support each other. Many times there's a union voice in the background, but not necessarily. Uh, so there's a layer to that. There's also a layer of a lot of times you'll see people whose roles are labor and employee relations. Mm. Well, that's probably 98% employee relations and 2% labor unless they're truly in an mm. organized setting. So mm-hmm. the opportunity for HR pros to formally not necessarily academic, but formally educate themselves on labor right now with a president who just said, I'm going to be the greatest pro-labor president ever. Now is the time to educate yourself because you'll end up not being the resource you want to be if you end up having a situation at your workplace because you just won't have the depth of knowledge. So it's, it's the timing is right to be more aware uh, I'm, I am passionately pro-employee. I'm just not real big on third parties. Yeah. And as a practitioner, I was hugely into pro-employee work, uh, both policy and practice, um, from a policy and practice perspective. But, again, not a fan of parties because I like to be able to have a conversation with my employees, not with someone yeah. who's speaking for them. So uh, the, the time is right to learn and grow you know, we talk about lifelong learning and development. Well, now's the time to put our money where our mouth is for our own selves and make sure we're, we're prepared because the, the dynamics are going to change dramatically. And I don't mean that from a scare perspective. It's just what's been promised. This yep. is literally what's on the transition website for Biden-Harris. It was what was on his campaign website. I'm just simply stating what he promised. Mm-hmm. So well, we should and, take him and his word. It, and we look at um, uh, we look at who our incoming Secretary of Labor is as well, which just reinforces right. that message of a former union president. So um, right. we know we've got that. I, I, I want to do a quick reset because um, I'm paying attention to the clock. So don't know if anybody <laughs> else on the on the show we're is. Rolling. We're at, we have about we're ten minutes fire. left. Huh? All right. <laughs> All right. So we have about ten Love minutes it. left. Um, of uh of our conversation today and for folks who um uh you know can't can't uh you know maybe are listening live here we are talking to our good friend jay coons about all things all things hr and labor and 2021 and and what that what's that what that's bringing so one of the things you mentioned uh jay obviously when it comes to taking a look at kind of the the labor landscape and the HR landscape and, and educating um, is key, but you also tweaked in there. Let's talk about the kind of the development, um, you know, kind of the the employee, um, you know, performance and development and learning, uh, learning for HR pros, but also for our, our employees. I'm, I'm interested in, in finding out what, um, you know, kind of where do you, where you kind of hang your hat now on, um, how we as HR practitioners, beyond the here's what the landscape looks like, what are the other areas that as HR practitioners folks should be doing to kind of stay uh, current, modern, um, yeah. you know, the, the approach to HR that's different now than, than it has been in the past? Sure. 
Sure. Huge part of my work now, actually. It's a great question. You would have thought I queued that up, but I actually <laughs> did everybody. Just so we're clear, this is not an inside job. Uh, but one of the things for me, it, and this goes back not only through the work I'm doing now, uh, but all the way back to my time in the hospital, is that if you're not telling your story as an employer, and I don't mean marketing, with all due respect to our colleagues in marketing, they have a huge, huge spectrum that they have to cover. Um, and representing the employer story is typically not on that list. That falls to us. And so mm-hmm. HR leaders today, for me, need to be able to articulate their employer story, whether you call it employer mm-hmm. branding or just your story, it's the same thing. And so being able to position and differentiate your organization is critical. It's critical for sending a good message about your culture, a la our last conversation about our third uh-huh. party is going to target you or are you going to have this incredibly robust story that sends a message that no this isn't the culture you want to try to crack it's the guy down the street and he hasn't done anything go get him uh-huh. Uh-huh. obvious when you're evaluating and i've done it a bunch of times when you're looking at different organizations it's obvious who's a progressive contemporary employer and who is old school in old school uh-huh. i don't mean in a respectful way I mean, you, you, the train has left the station and you missed it, right? Throw out your fact uh-huh. machine, right? We don't use those anymore. So having that story that you tell, and there's a variety of ways you can package it, um, is very important. It, it helps with union avoidance. It massively helps with talent acquisition. Massively, massively, massively. Because if you're showcasing your employees, there's a whole strategy around this, but very briefly, if you're showcasing your own employees, week after week after week on an employer brand site and you're looking for talent, that talent can see all these areas that you're highlighting with Mm -hmm. your real people. And they can relate to that. I can see myself working with Robin. I saw a video Mm -hmm. with Robin. I read a blog post interview with Robin. I I like her. I want Mm -hmm. to join that department. I'm going to apply for that job versus a job list, a message from the VP of HR or CEO and two still photos of gorgeous-looking humans who never they're just ripped off the cover of GQ or something, right? Like that's so which, awesome, of course, is me—a right? picture of me again, right? No, I'm kidding. There we go. That's you. That's yeah. <laughs> but it's that sort of thing, and and I see so many organizations that don't do it. They have a job list. They might have three videos or four videos that have been up for two years or four years. Well, uh-huh. that doesn't cut it. That, that that's, uh-huh. they're ancient now. They're ancient. So really embracing that, I think that would be my primary takeaway beyond what we talked about earlier. Learn how to differentiate your employer. It is so critical because does marketing get the heat when the jobs aren't filled? No. Does the CFO? Yeah. No. HR does. Yeah. True. So True. bring something to the table that's new, that's fresh, that's powerful, that's a game changer, and blow away your competition. I love all my colleagues, but I want to win. Right? Yeah. So I want them all to come in second in every market, and I want to come in first. Yeah. And that's the mindset I had. And, it's, and I don't mean it in a flip way. Like it's, there's got to be drive to succeed. And when you yeah. get into the branding game and telling your story, you go hard, and it works. Sorry. So we have about five and a half no, minutes. I was looking at the clock. I just didn't do the reset. <laughs> I'm bad at resets this week, Robin. Um, listen, <laughs> um, I want to switch to social media for a minute. We'll want to get done. So you mentioned Clubhouse. 
Um, President Trump, yep. with his 88 million followers are no longer available to him on Twitter. Uh, you know, there's parlor has been shut. I mean, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. And people are switching yep. to Clubhouse, to Telegram, to um, Gab. And Gab. What, what do you what do you see right just briefly in social media right now? You think it's going to be the big three, or are we seeing sort of a an evolution that HR folks are going to have to step up and learn more platforms? Well, I'm not so sure that most HR folks are even hitting the big three very often. <laughs> okay. um, sure. so, so, and I and I mean that seriously. Um, I know. It, it, it's um, I just I have never seen it happen. Everyone's on LinkedIn because it's boring and safe. So LinkedIn doesn't even count in my mind anymore. Like it just doesn't count. Um, Facebook people talk about they only want to see pictures of their dog and their grandkid. Fine, that's a you know it's the fourth biggest country. <laughs> you know if it was a country or whatever, so you might want to think about having a presence there or at least paying attention there. But I think this is like many things. Where we're at this little bit of a crossroads, right? Trump getting knocked off Twitter, I don't think changes Twitter, and suddenly something else is going to replace it because it, it's just it's not going to move fast enough. There are going to be a bunch of these little startups, and then we'll figure yeah. out where does it really go. For example, we had MySpace, mm. right? And then we had other things, and then we got to where we are now with like Spotify, and we got we had you know Walkmans. But now I have a gigantic music library in my iPhone through Spotify. Mm-hmm. So it's like there's going to be intermediaries. Um, there's going to be uh, that are playing out now. Some will catch on, some won't. Um, so I think awareness is key, but obsessing over them, nah. Stick with the basics. Twitter's still massive. Uh, Instagram's a burning, burning hot platform, right? Massive mm-hmm. platform. I don't know why everybody's not paying attention to that. There's so much content out there. Um, Corporate-wise, individual-wise, personal brand, employer brand. I mean, there's I see so yeah. much good stuff being done on Instagram. Um, so I, I think that, you know, part of it is a growing community, regardless of the ones we've listed today, they don't have the reach that Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and even Pinterest. They're kind of my yeah. five um, that I've used for recruiting and culture and the whole bit. Well, and I also think the, um, you know, and this stuff has been moving so fast in the last really several weeks, actually, with the with the yeah. platforms. But um, I think that people just need to be cautious uh, before they dive into a using a new platform. Um, Gab, for example, one that, that we mentioned, um, you know, is has since its inception been a, a safe place for white supremacists to be and organize. So anybody saying, oh, well, that's where people are going, that's where I'm going to go. You know, there's kind of like, I think there might be a little more awareness now of people saying, well, I need to explore these things before I just hop on them. Oh, I hope so, Robin. I yeah. hope so. And I use the term when I've done presentations on HR folks getting into social, I use the term lurking because it's so much better than stalking. Yeah. So I say yeah. lurk for a while and yeah. check it out and learn. You don't need to be commenting right away. Just, again, be calm. There's take no the temperature. crisis, <laughs> right? All the noise about take my country back. Where did it go? It didn't go anywhere. It's You're fine. Be calm. So, um, yeah, I think that's sage advice to not not rush too far in as I have it. I'm 
I'm, and I also am evaluating, do I want to invest some of my time into a new platform? Right. Right. And right. I don't, and I don't know that I do. So there's a personal life balance. Right. I'm not a big work life balance. I'm just a life balance that all kind of flows. Um, does that deserve any of my life or not? Just because it's yeah. hot. It's like Meerkat was hot and then it was gone. Yeah. Yay. Under a minute. So tell us on the Twitters, Facebook, LinkedIn, Pinterest, et cetera, where folks can find you the easiest if they want to reach out. And sure, yeah. Yep. Instagram and Twitter are the same, letter J, letter R, K-U-H-N-S. And my LinkedIn is uh, out there, of course, Facebook, Pinterest, Swarms. Um, I love a bunch of platforms and use many of them daily. And uh, so I'm not sure I even have room for the clubhouse <laughs> we'll, have to see. we'll just have to see yeah but thank all right. you all for having me on this is super yeah. fun i went by in the blink of it no kidding thanks for doing it and we'll uh we'll talk to you again soon robin have a good rest of your yep peace out everybody thanks, thanks. <laughs>